So we're going to finish this morning, Jeremiah. Uh, we've started looking at the book that comes after Lamentations. It was written about the same time, but what you have in Lamentations are five Jeremiads or elegies, uh, poems that really uh, cause the prophet who is absolutely broken by what has happened to Jerusalem, his city, to the people of God, and especially to the glory of God. And this broken man just lets it all come out. And we're going to look at some very well-known verses in the third chapter, which was read, verses 22 to 24, through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, the Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I have hope in him. This is the highlight of Lamentations and indeed of the whole of Jeremiah's writings. Now, when we have a highlight, uh, if we're preaching or writing, uh, we normally have it at the end, don't we? Or we may emphasize at the beginning. But in Hebrew, the tendency was to put the highlight, the climax, in the middle. So in Jeremiah, the main book, we noticed that the uh, pinnacle of Jeremiah was chapters 30 to 33 in the middle. And here in Lamentations, which is a very dark book in terms of what Jeremiah is writing about, as we saw last time, it's in the middle that the glimmer of light uh, shines. And I've just got three things to say this morning. I'm just going to give you the three points. Uh, so here is all this discouragement, which we'll notice in a minute, all this hopelessness. And then, in the middle of the book, there rises, as Mount Zion, as Mount Calvary, uh, this strong hope. Now, what is the motto? May this be the motto for us as we come to the end of a working year. Great is thy faithfulness. I don't know your situation. We've heard this morning of a heartache uh, in a family that were very much part of this church for years. All that sorrow, yet it is possible to say, great is thy faithfulness. My prayer is that every one of us, if you're not a Christian, if you are a Christian, will come to the place where we can join Jeremiah and say to God, great is your faithfulness, Lord, to me. First point, great is thy faithfulness, not when things are going well, but in the midst of trials and tribulations. Uh, very hurriedly, let us just note a few things in this chapter. I am the man who has seen affliction, says Jeremiah. Boy, he could say that, couldn't he? He really had. We haven't got time to go through all the things that he had been through. And maybe after the last few years of lockdown and other things, uh, and all the deaths that we have experienced here in our church, and your personal difficulties, maybe 
you can say, I'm the person, the man, the woman, who has seen sorrow. It's too deep, isn't it, for words. Poetry is what you need when you're really going through it. Let me just mention some of the pictures that Jeremiah uses here. Verse 4, he talks about my flesh and my skin wasting away. He had aged because of his sorrow. In verse 14, he talks about being a laughingstock of the people, an object of their derision. And then in verse 17, he says he's forgotten what happiness is. He's bereft of peace. All of these things causing him to be weighed down by sorrow. I don't know about you, but if I'm struggling like that, I'm mighty glad of a man like Jeremiah getting alongside me. Aren't you? The Bible says... We sometimes are allowed to go through sorrows so that we can get alongside those who are struggling. It's empathy, isn't it? Empathy. But you know what? Even though this world is a veil of tears, and the older you get, the more you realize, the more experience you have. Jeremiah's worst sorrow wasn't those things. Do you know what? The worst thing was, verse 10, he has been to me a bear lying in wait, like a lion in ambush. Verse 12, he, God, has bent his bow and set me up as a target. It's, it's the fact that God seemed to be against him. He talks here about praying and God not hearing his prayers. Have you had that experience? Heaven is as brass. When the disciples were in a very difficult situation, in the middle of a storm on the Sea of Galilee, it wasn't the waves, it wasn't the wind that were uh, the greatest cause of their sorrows. It was the fact that Jesus was asleep. God doesn't seem to care. I wonder, is there anybody here this morning who is in that position? That's what Cooper often suffered. It's as if God is my enemy God is using me for target practice. The arrows of the Lord are piercing me. And it's no point talking about comforts. If my salvation is at stake, have you been in Doubting Castle? Do you know what it's like to be under giant despair? Jeremiah did. And if you're not a Christian this morning, the death of somebody who's 45 years old, younger than me, younger than most of you, younger than some of your children, shouldn't that make you stop and think? You know, when I take a funeral, I wonder how do funeral directors cope? They must anaesthetize themselves to all the funerals that they have to take. In the midst of life, we are in death, says Job. And yet, it is so possible, isn't it, to have a professional attitude to these things and not realize that one day I'm the one who's going to die. And the clock is ticking. And we know, don't we, that many of us have 
more time behind us than we've got ahead of us. And in the midst of all this world and its sorrows, the question is, am I ready to die? Am I ready to meet God? When I come back after my holidays, will somebody here no longer be with us? Because they are in the great beyond, in the eternity. I don't want to come back in September and have to preach on the verses, the summer is ended and no one is saved. May this holiday be a time when somebody here comes from death to life. I don't mind if it's a visiting preacher. I really don't. May our camps this year, yes, may they be a time of enjoyment, but may there be souls saved. May all the funerals that we've had, may the weddings even that are coming up, be a time when somebody finds hope in Jesus Christ. So that's the first thing. Great is thy faithfulness in the midst of a veil of tears. Do you notice how Jeremiah puts it in verses 1 all the way to verse 20? He lists one thing after another. And you're wondering, Jeremiah, where are you going? You're taking me down with you. But then there is a change, isn't there? He says, this I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. My friend, when you're sinking, am I speaking to somebody here who knows what it is to have that sinking feeling? There is such a thing as the sinking feeling and everything is getting on top of you and you feel as if you're not going to cope anymore and you feel as if you're going to keep on falling and then there comes a point where you stop falling. Praise God. There's a point where we say, but of his mercies we are not consumed. There is something to hold on to. Great is your faithfulness. Your mercies are new every morning. What is it? What is it? It's God. Change and decay. I saw some people in the barbecue yesterday and people who were so young Children now, I'm not talking about adults. <laughs> they were so small when I last saw them. And I had to say to them, you've grown. I don't recognize you anymore. And those of us who are older, it's the wrinkles, isn't it? And the gray hairs and the aches and the pains. Change and decay in all around we see. What, what enables us to say, great is thy faithfulness. O thou who changest not. This God, this Jehovah, this God and Father of Jesus Christ. This is what gives Jeremiah stability. This is what gives you and me hope, even in this veil of tears. Do you know the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness? You all know it, don't you? We can't modernize that, can we? To great is your faithfulness. That will ruin it. The man who wrote it was Thomas Chisholm. Thomas Chisholm. And 
this is what he wrote about his own life. My income has never been large at any time due to impaired health in the earlier years, which has followed me all my life. But I must not fail to record here the unfailing faithfulness of a covenant-keeping God and that he has given me many wonderful displays of his providing care which have filled me with astonishing gratefulness. So Chisholm didn't have a catastrophic event. He's just had this cumulative uh, problem after problem coming upon him. And he says, unless it had been for God's faithfulness, I would have gone under. Um, Spurgeon's got a sermon on his mercies on you every morning, and he's entitled it, The Novelties of God's Mercies. I like that. The novelties, they are new. I went into the sea on Monday for the first time in years at Penarth. And though it looked delectable, the tide was out and there was sand, when I went in, I realized there's a bit of mud here. <laughs> and it was warm. It wasn't fresh. It wasn't fresh. When we think of the mercies of God in Jesus Christ, it's fresh. It's fresh. Even the sea in Penarth isn't fresh. So when I will climb a mountain in the holidays, do you know what you get in the mountains? You get a spring. Do you know what a spring is? They're marked on maps, and they're wonderful things. They're very difficult to find because it's like the old word, would be fountain. It's like water. Uh, bubbling out of the ground. It doesn't look much. The sea in Penarth looks much more impressive. But a fountain, that's fresh spring water. Have you ever tasted spring water? It is lush and it doesn't look like much. It's only a small thing, but that spring will keep on going when the streams will have run dry. You will probably see the streams in the Brecon Beacons at the moment. They're drying out, but the springs aren't drying out because there's a reservoir of water underneath. And it's a bit like that with the mercies of God in Jesus Christ. They're not much to look at, are they? When people look at us here this morning, we we aren't the great and the good of Cardiff society. We haven't got the big names. Uh, we haven't got uh, the wonderful things that they hold in the stadium. We're just simple, worshipping people. But you know, it's like that spring. Not much to look at. But my, it's refreshing to the soul, isn't it? When you talk about God being good to people, they look at you as if you're from another planet. But that's what Jeremiah is saying. He's saying, God has been good to me in spite of everything. Count your many blessings. Have you done that? Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. It really will.
Uh, we are blessed uh, with the links we have with Moldova, and Anya is with us. We've got three Anyas in the church at the moment. Uh, Anya from Moldova is with us, and the houses in Moldova. Isn't that God's faithfulness? And after uh, we had uh, been involved in building three houses, uh, a mug was produced, which I've still got. And on the mug, there's a verse in Romanian, which I know, because I know the English, with God, nothing shall be impossible. And you know what Anya said to me after that mug had been produced? She said, there's room on that mug for another house. <laughs> Lord, you've already allowed us to build three houses. Lord, is there enough provision with you to build another house? Of course there is. There's enough in my fountain and I think there's a fifth house being planned, a sixth house, a seventh house. Whatever your situation, if you're not a Christian, however great your sin may be, there's enough grace in Jesus Christ to forgive you. Period. Period. Uh, great is thy faithfulness is a covenant motto. A covenant God. Do you know what a covenant is? Uh, uh, you will be entering a marriage covenant in a few weeks' time. It's a solemn agreement between two parties. And God has entered into covenants with us. God says, if you obey my covenant, you will be blessed. You will go to heaven. But the problem is we haven't obeyed his covenant. And if you read the Old Testament up till Jeremiah, and this was the reason why God had judged the people, they broke the covenant again and again and again. And yet Jeremiah says, even though we've broken the covenant, God hasn't broken his side of the covenant. And God has covenanted with you and with me, with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the head now. Not Adam, but the second Adam, Christ. And because all the promises are yes in Jesus Christ, because Christ has kept the covenants, we are able to say, Lord, great is your faithfulness, even though we fail you. And then finally, it's not just the novelties of the mercies of God. You know, new mercies should cause us not to be stale. We shouldn't be stale as Christians. We can trust him. If you've trusted him for salvation, you can trust him for other things. New trust. Don't you want new trust? Don't you want new praise? Every Sunday we gather here, there should be something fresh about our praise. New joy, new endeavors, new things. And then thirdly, God is the center, isn't he? The Lord is my portion, says my soul. I've quoted this before. Uh, there was a pastor in Scotland in the 19th century, Andrew Bonar, and he lost his wife. And he wrote these words, broken cisterns, broken cisterns all around, but the fountain remains full. What's the fountain? Jesus, Jesus, all sufficient. Even if there are broken things in our life as individuals, as a church, as a society, the fountain, Jesus Christ, is still full. 
He's still full. Do you know what I've come to realize? Anything that draws us closer to Christ is worth it. I often wondered, how could the psalmist, along with Jeremiah, say, it's good that I've been afflicted? How can anybody say that? They must be a masochist. But there's nothing good in sorrow, right? Sorrow is an imposter. Death is an imposter. Sickness is an imposter. War is an imposter. But if it brings us to Jesus to begin with, and when we are God's people, if it brings us closer to Jesus, then I say it's good, isn't it? Even these last few years, it's been good because it draws us to the Lord. Nearer, my God, to thee, nearer to thee, even though it be a cross that raises me. There was a poem I uh, found in uh, one of the commentaries. It went something like this, if I can find it. This is what happens uh, at the end of a term. I walked a mile with pleasure. She chatted all the way, but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow, and ne'er a word said she, but oh, the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. These words, they were spoken by Jeremiah. But like last Sunday, it's really the greater than Jeremiah that is speaking here. It is of the Lord's mercies that I'm not consumed. Great is your faithfulness. Jesus Christ, all the things we've read about in this chapter, uh, all the dark, horrible things, Jesus Christ suffered. The ultimate is the wormwood. A wormwood is a bitter, bitter herb. The gall is the bile. Jesus Christ, as our covenant head, went to the cross. And it was on the cross that Jesus Christ tasted all of this. If God was against anybody, God wasn't against Jeremiah. It seemed as if he was against Jeremiah. God was hiding his face, but God was still with Jeremiah. God is still with you, even when you're walking through darkness. Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. But on the cross, God the Father really abandoned his son. And Jesus Christ tasted not so much the wormwood and the gall of human sorrow. He did, but he tasted the dregs of God's wrath, the punishment for your sin and mine. And one commentator says, this is Easter Saturday here. Jesus is waiting. He's still hoping. And you know what? In the morning, thy mercies are going to dawn. Uh, weren't you moved last Sunday morning singing, oh, to see the dawn of the darkest day? The darkest day wasn't the destruction of Jerusalem here. It, it was what happened on Calvary 
2,000 years ago when God, God the Father, sent his Son to die for you and for me. What love? The Father's love. How deep the Father's love. The Son's love moved with compassion. And waiting on Easter Saturday for the dawn of Easter Sunday when the mercy of salvation will shine into the darkness. We've got a risen saviour. Death has been conquered. The defeater of death is Jesus Christ. There is a hope for you and for me for all eternity if we believe in Jesus Christ. Can you say, great is thy faithfulness? Can you say, pardon for sin and a peace that endureth thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today, as thy day, so shall thy strength be. Bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine, and 10,000 beside. We're heading towards the dawn, my friends. It's not getting darker for the Christian. It's getting lighter. And glory, glory dwells in Emmanuel's land for his namesake we'll sing can we thomas chisholm's hymn great is thy faithfulness and then we'll go straight into communion
Father, may this indeed be our motto. Great is not our faithfulness because we have not been faithful, but great is thy faithfulness. And we're so relieved, Lord. And we praise thee that all that we have needed, whether it's salvation or whether it's everything else in life, thy hand hath really provided. Lord, uh, God is good indeed. And we pray that we, uh, as thy people, will not be those who are complaining, but those who are worshipping. Lord, may our theology lead to doxology, to this wonderful praise uh, that God is indeed good to those who trust him. Continue with us now, and may all of us be found in Jesus Christ, having him as our head. We do ask in his name. Amen.